The Tar Heels find themselves as the eight seed in the East region of this year's NCAA tournament. What are their chances for success? We're going to look at it. Plus, the current Tar Heels aren't the only Tar Heels dancing. Some former Tar Heels are in as well. We'll check in on them. And also, I've got some beef with the NCAA selection committee and how they set up the tournament, and i got to unpack it. I'm angry, and I want to talk about it. All of that coming up today on Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. Welcome in to the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's UNC site, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen, and if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we are free and available wherever it is that you find your podcast. That's right, I said it's Tuesday of March Madness week. That means it is just 48-ish hours until the first games tip off. Are you so excited? I am. And by the way, I'm going to be in Fort Worth for Carolina's first and hopefully second round games. If you're going to be there, I'd love to meet you, talk to you, take a picture, hang out, whatever. So please hit me up on Twitter or send an email and would love to have an opportunity to say hi sometime this weekend in Fort Worth. Today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Well, you know what else it means that it's Tuesday? It's what we do every Tuesday here on Locked on Tar Heels. It's Tuesday Trivia! That's right. You know it. It's coming at you. And here is today's question. In the history of the NCAA tournament, since it evolved to 64 teams in the 1985 tournament, there have been 14 eight seeds who have made it to the Sweet 16 or beyond, including one who actually won the national championship. I want to know who are those 14 teams. There's no way you're getting this, but maybe you'll get a couple of them, right? Maybe even a couple Tar Heels on that list. I'm going to answer the question for you at the end of our second segment, so make sure you've thought about it by then. All right. I told you I'm angry with NCAA, and here it is. Welcome into Uncle Isaac's Soapbox Hour. That's right. I'm climbing up on my soapbox, and I want to talk about something, and it is this. Since 2011, the NCAA has expanded the field to 68 teams rather than 64, which that's my biggest beef. Let's just make it 64. Cut off. That's done. No more of this crazy bubble talk because there's not enough good teams to get in the tournament. Anyway, since 2011, there have been 68 teams. And in order to get down to 64 teams, what happens is eight teams are shipped off to Dayton, Ohio to play in what's known as the first four. Of these first four games, uh, what the tournament does is they pit 
two sets of 16 seeds against one another, and then t which are the automatic qualifiers from low or mid-major conferences, and then two, two games worth of at-large major conference teams that are usually in the 11-12 range. There's been a couple 13 and 14s, but almost every time it's been 11s with about four 12s put in there. And here is my beef. Those at-large teams have had every opportunity in the book to make their way into the field through all their quad one opportunities, quad two opportunities, playing big opponent after big opponent, and they haven't won. They haven't done what they need to get there. And I know they're playing better teams, but so what? That's what you get for being part of a major conference. These teams that are stuck in Dayton as the potential 16 seeds, though, you know who they are? They're the automatic qualifiers that won their conference tournament in a mid-major or a low-major conference. And what is their reward? They don't even get into the main part of the bracket. They're shipped off to Dayton to have to play one of these games with the hope of getting into the main bracket. You've done all of this. You're the one team out of your conference because most of them are single bid leagues. You're the one team that's made it. Maybe you made this miraculous shot and, and you know what your reward is? You're not even in the main field. You weren't good enough to make it there. And we got to stop that. The first four games, all eight spots should be reserved for at-large teams. No automatic qualifiers should be in Dayton. Are you listening to me, NCAA? No automatic qualifiers in Dayton. If we're going to do that, if we're gonna put automatic qualifiers in Dayton, we gotta stop calling them that. You know why? Because they are not qualifying to be in the main bracket with the 64 teams. If you wanna put them at Dayton, call them something else, but they're not automatically qualifying for the bracket. Now. Here's part of the thing with this is, is I understand why the NCAA is doing this. Why? Because they want their, their biggest brands, their biggest names to be on the biggest stages. And so that means yeah, these are like the bottom four teams that are vying for these two 16 seed teams. They, they grade out as teams 65 through 68 in the selection committee's S bracket, which is how they go about um, numbering the teams or ranking them in order. But you know what? These teams deserve to be in the field. How else are, are they going to get a shot? If you're going to give me the argument that um, the, the Division One is just too big, 358 teams, yeah, that's right. That's an insane number. If that's the issue and we don't want them in, then we, that's a whole other conversation about paring down Division One. So can we please do this? Can we say if you if you win your conference tournament, you're in the 64. If you're the bottom eight at-large seeds, you are the ones that are going to Dayton. And here's the thing. If you want your biggest brands on the biggest stages, it's actually going to be a win for you, NCAA, to have these eight at-large teams in Dayton because you've got two games Tuesday night, two games Wednesday night. Nothing else is going on. Nobody's watching other games. Maybe maybe NIT is up and going by that point. I think it usually is. But, but these are the key games. They're brands between known entities. 
So ship off your eight lowest ranked in the bracket, your eight lowest ranked at-large teams, send them to Dayton, and then give us all the automatic qualifiers in the main field. Now, sure, we might have a, a, a few games at the 1 and 16 level that are not going to be as competitive. You know what? One 16 team has ever won. So we're not too worried about competition or competitiveness. Let's just do away with it. So please, NCAA, no more automatic qualifiers in Dayton, only at-large teams. Thank you for coming to Uncle Isaac's Soapbox Corner. I will now step off and get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Well, in all seriousness, for Carolina, they don't have to worry about being part of the first four this year because that win over Duke solidified them into a, a better ranking in the tournament, but they do have a tall task ahead of them as an eight seed. What are their chances of success? More on that in just a moment, but first, let me tell you about more on Stat Hero. March Madness, as we said, is just two days away. In Stat Hero's NCAA single game pick'em pits the star players against each other in this amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. So take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage in the upper hand. And instead, start focusing on the players that you know best. Those and, and you can have this gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in you as their game players winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero's eliminating the mystery about who or what it is you're going up against. You just pick your lineup, go up against a preset lineup from Stat Hero, and there you go. They simply post a set of players and you choose which ones you want to play against. And that, so the simple sleek gameplay for that has you set up and ready to go in minutes. And that is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I want to ask you to make sure to check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown, which is out right now. You can find it on the podcast feed or on the YouTube feed. going to help set, get you set and ready for Thursday and Friday's action and everything else you need to know. That's coming from college basketball experts Chris Gordy and Andy Patton, as well as betting expert Lee Sterling, who are going to give you in-depth breakdowns on every single one of the matchups. All right, so North Carolina, for the second year in a row, is an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. And so what I want to do is take some time to look at how, how's Carolina going to be able to do? What is the history of the eight seed bracket-wide? And how has Carolina done as an eight seed in their history in the tournament? Well, as I said just a little bit ago, the, the tournament expanded to 64 teams in the 1985 season. So that's where we're going to use as a marker in the sand because that is the modern day tournament. So in that time frame, from then until last year, there have been 36 NCAA tournaments. Some quick math, 36 tournaments times four eight seeds a year equals, drumroll, 144. So there have been 144 eight seeds in the expansion era. And uh, what that, that is exactly what the Tar Heels are this year, is one of those eight seeds. And so, again, we need to figure out how have these eight seeds performed. Uh, there, there are three options that I want to put in front of you. 
either these eight seeds lost in the first round to a nine seed. They lost in the second round to a, a one seed or, you know, maybe somebody else. Or uh, the, the third option is that they did make the Sweet 16 or beyond. And so let's break those down by uh, category. First off, those who lost in the first round, eight seeds who went down to nine seeds. Well, you got to guess that, that the bracketing, the, the selection committee gets it right all the time, right? And so eight seeds should be beating nine seeds more often than not. Yeah, absolutely. Wrong. Not true. Nine seeds have actually beaten eight seeds more often. 75 of the 144 eight seeds have lost. That means that 69, just shy of half, have won. The, the percentage is 47.9% of eight seeds have won against the nines. And so historically, you actually have a better shot at winning this eight nine game if you're the nine seed. Wacky, huh? That's pretty crazy. However, let, look at this, 75 wins for nine seeds, 69 wins for eight seeds. It's so neck and neck that there's no real advantage. This game really is a toss up. However, again, nine seeds have won more often. So history is not on the Tar Heels side. What about teams that have lost in the second round as eight seeds? These are the eight seeds that have moved on, the 69 that we just talked about, who moved on to uh, the second round. Of those 69 eight seeds, you ready for this? Who won their first round game? 55 of those have gone on to lose in the second round. Yikes. So that means of the 144 eight seeds in the in the 36 year history of the modern NCAA tournament, only four, uh, that means 130 of those have lost in the first or second round. Any wild guesses as to why so many are dropping off in the second round? Who awaits the winner of the 8-9 game? That's right, the one seed. Well, with one notable exception. What up, UVA? You know, I mean, they got their revenge. They won the next year, but UMBC has that for the rest of their history. So, wow. <laughs> so few eight seeds have made it on to the Sweet 16 or beyond. Here's what we're looking at. Again, I said 144 eight seeds, 130 of them have lost in one of the first two rounds, meaning just 14 eight seeds have made it uh, to this Sweet 16 round or beyond. If you're doing some quick math, that's 9.7%. Less than 10% of all eight or eight seeds have made it into the Sweet 16 or further. So that means things don't look so great for the Tar Heels as an eight seed, right? Well, maybe not so fast. Carolina has actually enjoyed a little bit of success as an eight seed. Let's look at it. They have been an eight four previous times. Here's those years, 1990, 2000, 2013, and last year, 2021. Let's start at the most recent and go backwards because the, the most recent two weren't quite as hot. Last year, as you know, Coach Williams, last year as head coach, the only time in Coach Williams' historic career at Kansas or Carolina that he lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, going down to Wisconsin, 85 to 62. It was an ugly, ugly game. Before that, the last time the Tar Heels were an eight seed was in the 2013 season. In the first round, they beat Villanova, the nine seed, 78-71, and then went on to lose to Kansas in, uh, in the second round. They were the top seed, 58-70, another not-so-great performance. But... 
But hang on, we're getting to 2000 and 1990, and that's when the Tar Heels actually were two of those 14 teams to advance to the Sweet 16 or beyond. In the 2000 season, Carolina had lost, remember, Vince Carter, Anton Jameson, all these guys, but Ed Cota remained, and oh, Ed Cota, what a guy. So the Tar Heels beat Missouri, the nine seed in the first round, and then the kicker, you got to beat that that one seed, so they beat Stanford in the second round, 60-53, to 53, went on to beat Tennessee in the Sweet 16, the four seed, 74-69, to 69. had the benefit in the Elite Eight of playing the seven seed uh, Tulsa, and they won that game just four points, 59-50. to 50 before ultimately they made it to the Final Four and lost that game to Florida 59-71. You'll probably recall Ed Cota had some foul problems in that game, and so it just didn't work out. But making the Final Four as an eight seed, that's fantastic. And then the first time the Tar Heels were an eight seed was in the 1990 NCAA tournament. They knocked off in the first round nine seed Southwest Missouri State, 83-70. And then the historic win over Oklahoma, one seed 79-77. Huge shot from Rick Fox. Go check it out. And then they did proceed. They lost uh, in the Sweet 16 to Arkansas, the four seed, 73-96. Yikes, a blowout there. All that to say, Carolina, two of the four times they've been an eight seed, has made it to the Sweet 16 and beyond. So there is hope for the Tar Heels to beat Marquette on Thursday and then go and maybe upset Baylor on Saturday. That would be exciting, but we're going to have to wait and see. By the way, that brings us to the answer to today's Tuesday trivia. Remember I said there are 14 teams that as eight seeds have made the Sweet 16 or beyond. I've already given you a couple of the answers, so you should be able to know at least a couple of them. Six of those lost in the Sweet 16. Three of them lost in the Elite Eight. Two made the Final Four and lost there. Two were the national runners-up. And one actually won the national championship. So let's roll through those quite quickly, shall we? So here are the sweet, sweet, the six Sweet 16 teams. North Carolina in 1990, already talked about that. UGA, 96, made the Sweet 16. UCLA in 2002. NC State in 2015. Wisconsin, 2017. And Loyola, Chicago, just last year, you might recall, just like lambasted Illinois, just ran roughshed over them. And that was a great game. I remember it. It was a Sunday morning. Three three teams as eight seeds made the Elite Eight. Auburn, 1986, Rhode Island in 98, and Alabama in 2004. Two teams made the Final Four. I've already given one one of them to you, but here's the crazy thing. Both of these happened in the same year. So Carolina made the 2000 Final Four as an eight seed. So did Wisconsin. They were the eight seed on the other side of the bracket, and they made the Final Four as well. Crazy, right? Yeah. Two eight seeds finished as national runners-up, made it to the championship game and lost. That was Butler in 2011. You might recall that game lost to UConn, just an ugly national championship game. Uh, Butler had made it to back-to-back national championship games. Oh, Gordon Haywood, why did that shot not go in against Duke? That would have been crazy. 2010, that was. And then the other national runner-up eight seed was Kentucky in 2014. And everybody, uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there who know the history of the NCAA tournament, know the one team that won the national championship was an eight seed. The very first year that the field expanded to 64 teams, the Villanova Wildcats, 1985. So there you go. Those are your 14 teams who made it to the Sweet 16 or beyond as an eight seed. 
Well, this year's Tar Heels are not the only Tar Heels dancing in the NCAA tournament. There's a couple that transferred out that are in and a former assistant coach. Who are they? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about Run Your Pool. You need to decide right now where you are running your brackets this year because, as I said, they're only two days away. Are you going to go for the usual or are you looking for the best? Here at Locked On, we've done our homework and we're running our brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers some other game types like Pick X or Survivor, which are both a lot of fun as well. All sorts of great options for editing your scoring, and they offer more intel than the traditional site does, so you're going to find a lot more than you would on ESPN or CBS. Run Your Pool offers full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest setups you'll ever find just takes a couple minutes. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there, and there's no truer test than a satisfied customer. And here's the kicker. Here's great news for you. If you want to play with other locked-on personalities, there's a chance for you to win a cash prize of up to $1,800. So join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, go ahead and create your own pool for your family, your friends, your coworkers, whoever it might be. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules, the details are available for you there. Again, that's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize of up to $1,800. Look forward to playing against you there. I also want to tell you about Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's big tournament is finally upon us. So from all the latest odds to contests and player props, Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering info needs, including live betting, live betting, and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, the 2022 Tar Heels are in the NCAA tournament, but it's a neat moment to be able to recognize a few other former Tar Heels that were part of the team uh, who are also dancing with their new teams. Uh, I first want to acknowledge one who felt just one game shy. They lost in their conference championship game, and that is Walker Miller, who transferred to Monmouth this year to take advantage of the COVID year. They lost, they finished fourth in the regular season in the Metro at uh, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. They advanced to the championship game and unfortunately lost to second-seeded St. Peter's 60-54. to Felt just shy. Really wanted Walker Miller to have that opportunity. Neat, neat honor, though. He was Walker Miller voted to the all-tournament team. Miller had a great year for Monmouth. He started all 34 of their games, a former Carolina big, doing work in the MAC conference, 30.9 minutes per game, 14.6 points per game. Yeah, that's Walker Miller. 5.8 rebounds, shot 71.9% from the free throw line, made 30%, 30, almost 31% of his three-pointers this year, dished out 1.3 assists, Walker Miller, way to have a great year, buddy. Uh, wish you the best going forward. So sorry that you and Monmouth fell just shy of the NCAA tournament. 
I do want to highlight three Tar Heels who have gone on, two players and one coach who are also in the tournament. The first off is Walker Kessler, who's now at Auburn. You're probably well aware of that reality if you've been paying any attention to college basketball this season. Auburn won the SEC regular season championship, but fell in the SEC quarterfinals to Texas A&M, who ran all the way to the finals against Tennessee, who won the SEC tournament. Uh, Auburn was looking like they were in line for a one seed, probably the fourth overall seed, but this quarterfinal loss cost them that, and then Baylor was able to step in. As it is, they fell to the two seed in the Midwest. Walker Kessler has had a great year himself. 25.8 minutes a game, 11.7 points, 8.2 rebounds, 4.5 blocks per game. That's second in the entire nation. Holy smokes. Shooting uh, just 20.4% from three-point range. Not so great, but we kind of knew that already about him. 60.2% from the free throw line. is shooting even better from the field, 62.5% than he is from the free throw line. He's also pulling in 1.1 steals per game. So Walker Kessler is having a great year for the Auburn Tigers. Just like Walker Miller started all of Monmouth's games, Walker Kessler, former Tar Heel Biggs, started all of Auburn's games. Notice a trend here? There's more coming. Just hang on. Here's what's crazy. Like I said, Walker Kessler, uh, second in the country with 4.5 blocks per game. His total number of blocks was 144. I looked it up as of heading into the NCAA tournament. Carolina only as a team only has 127 blocks. That's right. Walker Kessler by himself has more blocks than the entire Tar Heels roster combined. It's not just the Tar Heels, though. There are 358 teams in Division I this year. Only 44 of them as a team have more blocks than Walker Kessler does. Wow. Unbelievable, unreal, great work, Walker Kessler. We miss you. Good luck in the tournament. Next up, Brandon Huffman has been gone for the Tar Heels for two years, has played for Jacksonville State. Both of those, they moved into the A-Sun this year. And so a a weird situation in the A-Sun, Bellarmine actually won the conference championship game and should be the automatic qualifier moving on to the tournament. However, the NCAA has a rule that you have to be in Division I for five years before you qualify for the NCAA tournament uh, to avoid people just jumping up even when, when they really shouldn't, just trying to get in on that money. And so because of that, Jacksonville State, who was the runner-up, is the ASUN's representative as their automatic qualifier. So because of that, Brandon Huffman and the Gamecocks are dancing. What has Huffman done this year? 19.3 minutes per game, 8.9 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, shooting 64.8% from the floor on his field goals. That's incredible. And averaging one block a game. Just like the Walkers, Miller and Kessler has started all 31 games for Jacksonville State this year. So three former Tar Heel big men outed other teams. All of them have started every game for their teams. I think that says a lot about the Tar Heels and what they had at their disposal. The Gamecocks are the 15 seed in the Midwest bracket. The final former Tar Heel I want to recognize is actually a coach. Uh, you might recall that after Coach 
Williams stepped down when Coach Davis got his assistant coaches. He did not retain Steve Robinson, longtime assistant with Coach Williams. And so Coach Robinson was picked up by Arizona, and they have had a phenomenal year. Don't know if you've been paying attention to Pac-12 basketball, but out of nowhere, the Wildcats just started reeling off games and are now the number one seed in their bracket. And so Tommy Lloyd, who was a longtime assistant under uh, Mark Few at Gonzaga, became Arizona's head coach, asked if Coach Robinson would come be with him, and sure enough, he was down for that. And so, uh, as I said, the Wildcats came out of nowhere to run away with the Pac-12, only lost three games the entire season, and uh, won the regular season championship, the tournament championship for Arizona. And so they are hot, uh, have a little bit of an ankle injury to Kurt Kreese, so we're going to have to keep our eyes on that. But Coach Robinson, undoubtedly a huge part of that turnaround for Arizona, given all his wisdom and experience. So again, Arizona's the top seed in the South, and they will play the winner of play-in game, Wright State and Bryant, which should not be a thing. Soapbox. (laughs) Let's get back to that. Now, here's something super cool. Let's go back to uh, uh, Brandon Robinson, not Brandon Robinson, Brandon Huffman and Walker Kessler. If you paid attention to what I said, Auburn is the two seed in the Midwest bracket. Jacksonville State, the 15 seed in the Midwest bracket. You know what that means. A two seed plays a 15 seed. That means these two former Tar Heels, they were never actually teammates. Uh, Brandon Huffman transferred out the year before Kessler came. But they're two Tar Heels. They're going to be squaring off against one another in the first round later this week. What a crazy coincidence that will be. Make sure you watch that game. Would love to see if they end up guarding one another. It's so great to see both current and former Tar Heels finding their way to the big dance. Great opportunity to cheer all of them on in their success in the postseason. The big dance, the pinnacle of college basketball. Make sure you see all these Tar Heels in action. Well, that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, I would love it if you would be willing to go subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe you're watching it on YouTube. Real simple. Just hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell so you know when new episodes drop. And please, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts where you have the opportunity to rate and review the show, go do it. Five stars, great comments. Please encourage in that way so that other people can find their way to the show. Would love for you to follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnHeels. Follow me, at Isaac Shade. And if you like what you're hearing, bring a friend. Let's have all sorts of great NCAA tournament conversation. Speaking of which, coming up on tomorrow's show, I want to talk more about Leaky Black's defensive versatility. I know we've hit on that, but my goodness, did you see the progression of people he's guarded in Carolina's last three games? We're going to unpack that tomorrow. Also, I'd like to make this suggestion. Carolina's victory over Duke is the best thing to happen to the rivalry since Zion Shue blew out a couple years ago. We're going to talk about that tomorrow all coming up on Locked on Tar Heels. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And I want to encourage you to also make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like every other show on Locked on, it's free and available wherever you find podcasts. 
Thanks so much for making part of your Tuesday an opportunity to listen to Locked on Tar Heels and dive into these conversations with me. I hope you've had a great time. I hope you have a great day getting your brackets ready. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!